Okay, I'm going to start it right now. Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! This is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast. This is the greatest podcast you'll ever hear in your entire life. Uh, my name is Tyler, and way out there, hundreds of miles away, way out there in the ether, is Jeff. Uh, we got a good one. We are going to get into our Fearless Beer Review, then we're going to get into some of our vinyl pickups, backlog stuffs, uh, leads into the songs of the week, and then we're going to round it out with some new music and other happenings in the music world. Uh, go to iTunes, go rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media, at Asinine Radio. Now, Jeff, let's just get right into our Fearless Beer Review and what do you have? I have a mocha stout today. Oh, gross. Okay. Mocha stout. All the mocha lotties want to do Pilates. This is, I don't know who this is from. Abnormal Brewing. It's from San Diego. They, uh, on their website, it says they did a collab with a local coffee roaster, local San Diegan coffee roaster, Mostra Coffee. Okay. And then they added just a bunch of cacao nibs and some velvety chocolate notes. Yeah. So this uh, this is this is that, but it's only it's only five percent. So I'm not I'm not going hard. That's a low one for you. I'm not doing no 10, 25 percenters, but I'm pretty excited about this. Okay. Good. 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 It does yeah. sound gross. It's chocolate. It's coffee. It's everything I don't like. It's all your faves. Um, okay, so I have, let's see, I have oh. something called the Big Little Thing IPA. It's an, it's an Imperial IPA from Sierra Nevada Brewing, uh, and it's 9%, so this is going to knock me on my, my ass, and I'm not super excited about it. I have a, I think it's, what, I think it's 18 ounces? No, it's 20 ounces. I have a 20-ounce beer. And, uh, yeah, this is going to be probably a rough one. It doesn't smell that great. That smells okay. Yeah. It smells like a, just smells like an old IPA. I don't know. Uh, so you ready? You ready for this? Ready to start? I, hold on. When I cracked it open, I, like, fucking shot stuff everywhere. I clean it all up right now real quick. <laughs> it exploded everywhere. I'm pouring it right now. <laughs> Uh, so my uh, my big little thing IPA, it says uh, says that it is a um, it's an imperial IPA flexing a full malt body, restrained sweetness, and tropical hop flavors of mango, grapefruit, and tangerine. It says uh, the malts are they use are pale malt, wheat malt, Munich malt. The hops are Magnum, Crystal, Chinook, Idaho Seven, Columbus, Cascade, oh, and Mosaic. Love hops. Idaho Sevens. Idaho 7s, man. That's the way to go. Way to go. Way to go, Joe. Okay, I'm ready to go. Oh, that's a you ready? Right you ready to, ready to tink this? Oh, what a relief it is. Yeah. Here we go. Okay. All right. This isn't bad. This isn't bad. It is strong. 
it's definitely strong. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know, man. I, I, what do you think about yours? Uh, it's it's fine. It's it's what I thought. I I, I think at like five percent, you're not going to get like. I don't know you can, but I, I didn't expect like a really dark, a little really robust, full-bodied thing going on. So it's pretty watery, but I, okay. all, all the stuff's there. Everything's there. I taste. I taste the coffee. It's there's vanilla. There's a little bit of chocolate. I think it's fine. It's it's a good. It's crushable. It's crushable. This is a this is a good post stout. Crushable stout. stout. This is a good post stout stout. So similar to like a Guinness, I guess you could say. Um. Yeah. Just not not creamy like at all. Oh, okay, I guess yeah. Guinness is creamy, huh? Remember when Guinness was so like frightening because it was like, oh, dude, it's so fucking thick and stuff. <laughs> it looks too crazy. Give me a Bud Light. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we knew nothing about beer, thinking it was like so badass drinking a Guinness. You know? Oh, yeah, dude, you're true alcohol like you drink a Guinness. <laughs> I know. <laughs> At like four and a half percent, same as a Coors Light or like a Bud Light. Mm. <laughs> it's so silly. Yeah, mine's good. I dig it. About a six pack, so I'll drink the rest. Well, mine is um, it's not overly carbonated. It's it is malty for sure, but it doesn't. It's not syrupy, which is really nice because a lot of these like high alcohol some these high alcohol malts they sometimes get really syrupy and that's gross. And uh, but no, this is is pretty well balanced and nine percent. It's gonna it's gonna wreck me, that's for <laughs> sure. So. <laughs> Uh, so we have a three-point rating system where three is a perfect beer, two is a good beer you're going to continue to drink, one is a bad beer, but you should give it a shot, and zero is a drain pour. So what are you going to give your stout, Jeff? Um, uh, this is a two. This is a two. I don't think it's setting any records here, but I mean, I'll buy this again. If if Sloan likes it, I'll buy a six-pack. That way I don't have to pay for the full six-pack. Um, but always looking for those deals, huh? Oh, dude, ABS man, always be shysten. It's what I do all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's good. I dig. I dig. Solid too. Oh, that is just like 100 percent so true about you, ABS <laughs> always, man. Always, always baby. be shysten. That is definitely <laughs> your motto. Oh shit. <laughs> okay, uh, my uh, my little big thing or big little thing IPA. I'm going to give this a solid two as well. I mean, it, it's enjoyable. It's not crushable, but it's enjoyable, um, especially for a double IPA or an Imperial IPA. I guess, I, would an Imperial IPA also be a double IPA? I would assume, right? Because the alcohol? Well, we got to we gotta contact our local beer expert, yeah. friend of the pot Mr. Mike, for that one. Friend of the pot Mike, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I'm going to give this a, a solid two. So I go back to it. So there you go. A two for me and a two for you. Um, let's jump right into our vinyl stuff. What did we get this week? Damn it. Backlog wise. Cause you, you finished your backlog last week. So I did. What do you got? I finished my backlog last week, but then I, I don't even know where I got some of these. Where did I get this one? I, I, yeah, I just did like record shopping. I got like five of them from a record store and then I bought a bunch of records for some guy. You know, you know how it goes. Yeah, I know. But the first one, <clears throat> the first one I got is another uh, Grateful Dead album. Okay, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. One, right. one of my one of my many Grateful Dead ones. Now I think I'll probably like keep buying them until there's just no more for me to buy. <laughs> they have so many live records. Yeah, and I I honestly just I I like I like every single one of them a little bit more than the previous one, and 
This one is called Bear's Choice. It's uh, mm-hmm. the history of the Grateful Dead, Volume One, but it's kind of known as Bear's Choice. A lot, a lot of the Grateful Dead albums are known colloquially as something that else. Was good. And this one is uh, Bear's Choice. Bear. Um, well, yeah, 1973. This one came out right after the Europe '72, that triple vinyl LP thing, and then yeah. right before Wake of the Flood. Um, but uh, this is this is very folky, so you might want to steer steer clear of it. I think very, I would, yeah. Very little like instruments for most of it. It's mostly just like acoustic guitar and vocals. Some really rad country elements. Um, named for their sound guy Bear, who the more I read about him, I was just so intrigued, so intrigued by this guy. This guy's famous for basically two things: creating the Grateful Dead's wall of sound, and mm-hmm. for LSD. And what do you mean for LSD? Uh, so the the you wall just of took sound. Took so much of it. The, the wall of sound was was like if you ever see like old Grateful Dead, they have just a, a literal wall, like a twenty foot high, fifty foot wide like wall of speakers and and amps behind them, yeah. and they never used monitors, like they didn't use any monitors, and so the band relied on like just the sound coming from behind them to kind of I don't know progress their their own jam sessions along, but. This guy Bear had to de- had to like develop a certain type of microphone that wouldn't oh, produce feedback. Oh, I, rem- I remember us talking about this a while back. Yeah, like he had to he had to like invent a microphone that wouldn't pick up all the sound coming from the speakers, rather mm-hmm. than like a monitor. So he invent he basically invented like a lot of things to work around this, and he's he's the reason why the Grateful Dead started recording like everything that they ever that they ever did, but. As as far as his as far as his LSD stuff goes, this guy, this guy's a smart dude. He he didn't finish high school, but after he still went to the University of Virginia, majored in engineering, super smart oh, dude, like I said, but dropped out again because he didn't like the structure. He didn't like being told what to do. He didn't like math or whatever the fuck he didn't like. I don't know. So he drops out of college, mm. and then he decides to get a job at a rocket engine design company, and ends up working <laughs> on like cruise missiles. Because, you know, that's what you do when you drop out of high school and then drop out of college. You, of college, you, yeah. You're that fucking smart, I guess. So he eventually enrolls to USC. <laughs> you're that much, as a, that much of a shyster. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I don't, dude, works on fucking cruise missiles. He eventually enrolls to USC, but drops out again to start producing LSD. And at the time, police, so police raided his workshop that he was, like, manufacturing LSD, but they couldn't do anything because LSD wasn't illegal at the time. And the police were looking for meth, so we pretty much got off scot free. <laughs> Not cooking meth in here. Says LSD. Ah, fuck, he got us, and they left him alone. But through like through his high production of LSD in the Bay Area, he eventually hooked up with the Grateful Dead, and eventually went to prison for a couple of years in the early seventies. And it's kind of sad because he he got out of prison, and the band kind of moved on. He thought he was going to mm-hmm. jump back into his role with with the Dead and be like their main sound guy, be their main engineer, and they had already hired like four other people to do what he did. And those four other people didn't want to leave. And Grateful Dead's like a family. So he never got yeah. his position back. But just like seeing and hearing of all the people this guy has partied with and all the people this guy has supplied LSD to and drugs, anybody who's ever been to California probably got their drugs from this guy. <laughs> and then they made LSD illegal. So he moves to Colorado to continue like manufacturing it because it wasn't le- legal then. Just an empire so of LSD, this guy. That's insane. 
I love this dude. Wow. I'm, I, I, I'm like infatuated with this band. There's, there's so much history. There's so much in here. There's so much just craziness going on. <laughs> that is it. really interesting. So huh. Yeah, Bears, Bears wonder, Choice. Okay, check it out. Probably okay. not. I mean, it's it doesn't sound like it's for me. I'm just not into that folk scene. Yeah, it's, I you 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 you're not gonna like it. No, <laughs> no. All right, all right. Uh, Jethro Tull. I got another Jethro Tull album, Songs of the Wood. I got this one because it was uh, it was free. It was in like the fifty cent pile, and our boy was like, I just keep it. And this is their tenth album. I wasn't I eh, like Jethro Tull. They have a couple that have really wowed me, but overall everything's just like good. Like yeah, that's solid. That's good. Yeah, but yeah, this one. But you're never tenth, gonna go back to it. No, no, I I do go back to Jethro a lot, surprisingly. Okay. But this one. Dude, this one is like for me. This may be my favorite because this one is folky and it's really, really heavy on like this Renaissance sound. Oh, like a lot no. of the vocal mount melodies are very Renaissance sounding. And the longest song, I think it's called Pibroch, has this cool flute solo and it just sort of like dances around and it sounds like some weird pagan campfire shit. <laughs> it's so fucking bizarre And this album is just This album is a true banger And a lot of the guys in the band have said That this is one of If not their favorite album That they've ever done Interesting, okay Yeah, those are, those are two genres That I'm not super <laughs> into So I don't know How interested I would be in hearing it but Or buying it, I should say I'd be Banger. interested in hearing it ah, I don't know about that yeah, okay. Alright, Foghat Let's get into Foghat Let's Got- get into Foghat I got two albums by Foghat. I got their second album. It was self-titled. It's their second self-titled album, which is weird. But it's yeah, it's weird. known as rock and roll because on the cover it has a picture of a rock and a dinner roll. So people call it rock and roll. Oh, my it's God. Cute. It's funny. That's so stupid. That was 1973. That was, uh, that was okay. I bought that one because I have two other Foghat albums, Energized, and then I, have no, I don't know what the fuck the other one was. But they're bangers. The one I got you was Energized, and I think that's a okay. banger of an album. That's why I bought this one, and uh, it was. Wait, okay. Which one is this one? This is the rock and roll. There's their second. Why? Well, oh, their second. Okay. Yeah. It, don't don't bother with it. It's it's fine. It's fine. Whatever. But then I also got their live album. The live album, 1977, and this is actually is like, this is their. This live album sold more than anything else that they've ever done. It, it's their highest That's charting. Bizarre. It's their best selling, and it's only six songs. Each one is at least five minutes long, and it's just dude. It's a true fucking banger. It is unbelievably good. I hmm, okay. I was it's exciting and I was super surprised how great it is and they they do a lot of a lot of like slide guitar they incorporate a lot of slide guitar in their stuff mm-hmm. and but they do it like in a not country way they do it in more just like a straight rock and roll way and this I don't know the way they the way they use it, I think is just it's it's uh, it's unheard of and I don't think anybody does it that well okay that's interesting they kill it it's so good how much did you pay for that one the live one. Uh, it was free. Oh, it's missing like half the cover. <laughs> so oh. he just gave it to me. The <laughs> display fine. I know, whatever. I but I mean, you know, you, you don't mind a lot of surface noise too. So. No, there's the, also uh, that. Sorry, the disc itself looks fine. The jacket was missing half of its like thing. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't expect the disc to be missing half of it. It could. It could, yeah. I mean, anything could, but yeah, you possible. wouldn't have bought it. No. <laughs> All right. Um, this one I was pretty excited for. I bought a bunch of records from this guy, and he was he was um, he wanted twenty five for this one, but I had already bought a bunch of records for me, you, or not you at the time, but me and Sloan, and it came out to eighty five. So he threw this one in for fifteen. I was pretty stoked about it. But it's Appetite for Destruction, Guns and Roses. 
Mm, yes. And I mean, this is the only Guns N' Roses I'll ever buy. And it's the only one you ever need. Yeah, it's it's true. It. I mean, it's it's a fucking killer album. It is so good. It's surprisingly better than what we <laughs> originally thought. Remember, this this is one of the few times that we we were both like convinced that this this is going to be kind of a lame thing, and we're truly yeah. blown away by how great it was. Yeah, it was pretty damn good. Pretty damn good. See, I, I was I was super happy that I picked it up. Fifteen bucks. I mean, you just, you're never gonna see that for fifteen dollars anyway. No, I've never seen it for less than twenty five, and I've never seen it used. Yeah, it's always new. Nobody gets rid always of it. Nobody can get rid of that. Yeah. So they just keep pressing them. Keep pressing them. But yeah, I, <clears> I, I picked it up. I'm very happy with it. Um, like I said, I'll never buy another Guns N' Roses album. I, even if I got them for free, I would just purge them. I would just sell them, get rid of them. <laughs> but uh, yeah. All right. Cool, so that's cool. that's cool. Um, in the same, I guess the same um, lot, I got, I got the wall by Pink Floyd. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you got the wall this too. Fucking guy. Yeah, but you paid less for it than I did. Five dollars less. And it's still five dollars. <laughs> and that's annoying. That is annoying. Oh my god. See, so yeah, I got. The, I, I got. The I should have got it for fifteen. You should have got it for twenty. Because you get all the discounts. Yeah, so I, I I got the wall. This is their eleventh album, nineteen seventy nine. It's a concept album. Get it, but I will say that I think this is great. I think it's I think it's like structurally, it tells a really like great cohesive story. I think it's mm-hmm. I think it's there's depth to it. I think like lyrically it means something. I think the album is yeah. great, but it's definitely up its own ass. Clearly. Oh, for sure. Totally, so yeah. clearly. More than I've ever heard Pink Floyd be up their own ass. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's totally true. I mean, look at look at the amount of success they had up God. until that point. You know, and then yeah, I know. I totally agree with you. But it's a uh, that that's why I've waited so long to get it, not just because it's so always expensive, but also because like it is not their best. It's it's near the bottom, honestly. There's so many better Floyd records. That's yeah, I just think plain and simple. I think this is like my second least favorite. What's your ones, least favorite? Out of all the ones so I have, um, "Wish You Were Here." Mm-hmm. I just, mm-hmm. I honestly, I don't get that album. Yeah, I that that one's don't get that it. one. That album's underwhelming too. Not that it's bad. It's just they just have yeah, better it, stuff. It's, it's not. So. It's not bad at all. But um, I, 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 I don't know. I, it's. Adam Hart Mother is it, that album really like changed my perspective on on this band. Like like Sloan got me um, Dark Side early on in our collecting. And yeah, that one's up its own ass too, but kind of in a more innocent way. Like the walls up its own ass because they tried to be up their own ass. Yeah, that's true. Dark Side is 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 kind of unintentionally up its own ass. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, the wall was the wall was fine. I I'm glad I picked it up for fifteen. I'll listen to it again, but um, dude, it's, it's a not, long album. It's not their best. <laughs> yeah. No. Have you have you listened to their first record ever? No. The Piper at the Gates of Dawn. Mm-mm. So, what is it that you like? Do you like more like pop oriented? They're more pop oriented songs or their atmospheric stuff what do you what do you prefer it's it's definitely their atmospheric stuff because because in adam okay. Hart mother it's it's the first side or second side. it's the first side the first side is just one song and it's 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 like this yeah. story kind of but it, it reiterates much like the wall does it reiterates a tune a melody a riff something and it kind of comes back to it and then extrapolates on that 
and it explores that really, really well musically. The wall does it too, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of there's a lot of a lot of talking in the wall. I don't I don't like. Yeah, yeah, I know. What you and mean. the whole thing ends with like talking. It's kind of irritating, but I don't. <laughs> I, I I like I like when Floyd just kind of uh, kind of just chills and slows everything down, and then just really plays the same thing over and over at halftime and for twenty five minutes. I'm cool with it. Yeah, that's kind of what I like too. I like the I I tend to like the repetitiveness of of them sometimes. It's really like calming. Uh, yeah, Floyd's great. It is. And Floyd are, is great. They're really good. They are really good. That's a really band I, I I never liked, and I, I shouldn't say I never liked. I never really got into until we started collecting vinyl. It's good though. It's good that you did. You finally got into it. Proud of you. Got to get on sometime, right? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> um. Oh, speaking of Floyd, um. This will tie in a little bit. I got a Chuck Berry album, Sessions. How does this, this is, tie uh, in? The London Sessions, recorded and released in 72. Um, the first side is just studio recordings, and the second side is three live songs, including the song, mm-hmm. which is why I've been looking for this album, but the song uh, My Dingling. I'm not familiar that, with I, it. Have you heard that one? No. Oh, dude, this is... this is So the, the, his version on this is 11 minutes long, and oh, it's really okay. cool because it shows how great of like a, I mean, and also very pervy, but how great of a, uh, entertainer Chuck was. Like my dingling is is it's it sings a song and it's super catchy, and it's about a toy with like a string and it's got like a ball on the bottom and you play with it. But he talks about playing with his dingling and the whole that that's the joke. It's so like, dumb. It is very yeah, stupid yeah. and. But it's dude, it's a killer song and it's funny the way he makes like the boys say one part and the girls say one part and you can hear him like giggle at times and and then knowing <laughs> who Chuck Berry eventually was in hindsight very it, creepy and weird but yeah it is yeah but it's really good and it's a really really good song it's a killer album and it ends with Johnny Be Good of course and the last Has part been. of it you can hear uh, the crowd saying like we want Chuck they keep chanting and chanting. And reading about it, I guess, how it ties into Pink Floyd is Pink Floyd was up next after them, after Chuck Berry. And the fans wouldn't leave. Like, nobody would leave. Nobody would shut the fuck up. Nobody would disperse. So Pink Floyd couldn't get on. And they were all pissed off because nobody would leave because everybody (laughs) kept shouting, we want Chuck. Wow. Okay. That's pretty cool. That's really cool. Dude, even in 72, what did Floyd release? Like, after, I mean, that's what. I, I think what, I think they're on their fourth record at that point. Yeah, so they're they're big. I think right? they're on they're their fourth. Huge. Yeah, yeah, they they were fairly was big. That, I mean, that was after Dark Side. Before no seventy two, right it was before Dark Side. So yeah, they, they're I, still I, no. They're, it's before Dark Side. They're a big band, and Chuck is. I mean, clearly, like on the tail end of his of his career. And actually, this was one of the one of his uh, few albums to be certified by the the RIAA. And oh, uh, this is for cool. how, how many records? How many records did it sell? It was like a million in a month. Oh shit! Okay, that's it's impressive, just, dude. It's just cool that this guy can still bring the heat, like decades after he was popular. I know that's it's pretty impressive, considering too that the style of music was so Dumb. past its prime. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was very much that like five to seven year span. Beaten and for death. him to. Yeah, seriously. So I I looked it up. I I don't know why I thought Floyd had started later, but their first record came out in '67. So by '72, they had already put out seven records. So '67 oh, so is massive. They were huge. When did Dark Side? Come yeah, '73. So it came out the year after. So oh, Dark okay. Side and 
Dark Side and Wish You Were Here came out after that. So th- those are, and then The Wall, those three are arguably their biggest albums. Yeah. They're still huge, though. They were big. Yeah, well, totally. Yeah, they were a wildly popular band. Um, All right. Cool, cool, cool. Another thing I got, I got a 10-inch uh, Electric Lucifer. And the, that sounds the cover, familiar. I think you're thinking of Electric Wizard, which is what I was thinking. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, but Electric Lucifer, it's got like a wizard on the cover. And mm-hmm. I, it was only like five bucks. And I was like, I got to buy this. It's a fucking 10 inch. It looks like raggedy as shit. Like it just, it wasn't even like a proper sleeve. It was like everything. It just looked terrible. And there wasn't a lot of notes on it. And so I was like, fuck it, I'll pick it up. Mm-hmm. Six bucks or five bucks, whatever it was. And it's, dude, it is awesome. It is so rad. It's yeah. very, it's very Sabbath inspired. Just very, very heavy riffs. And they draw on those riffs and they're very just drawn out and they're very long. But it's very, very good. And then I was reading about them a little bit. Did you say it was a, a 10 inch? Yeah, 10 inch. And uh, reading about them a little bit, they're three guitarists, like three guitarists driven band from Cleveland. And Okay. This, I think this is their only release, 2013. Like, I think this is the only thing they've ever done. But I mean, just in my like stoner rock phase right now, like, you've got, dude, you got to pick this up. This is fantastic. How much does it go for on Discogs? I think it's like eight bucks, maybe. What electric wizard you said? No, no, Elec- electric uh, Lucifer. Electric right? Lucifer, yeah. There is a band called Electric Wizard. Yeah, yeah. That's who I thought this Wait. was at first. Oh, I'm, I got so confused because on on Discogs it came up as like an album from 1970. Yeah, but that electric was, Lucifer, yeah. and the album's called like Mountain or something. But this, um, dude, it's such a banger. It's so good. Oh, I see it. Yeah. How much is it? Is Interesting. Yeah, just buy right now. I want to. I want to. I'll check it out on uh, on the Discogs first. But I wish there's was only like one on option on Discogs. On Discogs? Yeah, just click. I mean, there quick. is. It's called Add to Cart and then Purchase. Uh, that's two things. Easy peasy. Can't you just do like <laughs> a one click purchase thing? No, 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 no. So it's going for twenty bucks after shipping. Oh, on Discogs. Yeah. Mm. Not worth it. <laughs> well, I mean, I I think it's great, but it's hard. It's hard for me to tell you yes that it's worth it because I got mine for so cheap. Yeah, when it's only I'm looking right now, and it's I think it's only like 15 minutes. Yeah, it's only three songs. Yeah, so it's not not long at all. 20 minutes tops. But it's anyway, killer though it's killer. I'll give it a listen on on the Spotify's. I'll keep this tab open. I don't think it's on Spotify. It's a little, no, it's a little deeper YouTubes. than that. Oh. Wait, then how did you? Then how did you find out about it? I bought you the just vinyls. Random, wait, you just randomly? I know, but you just randomly bought it. I wasn't one of your things where you you hide a bunch of records and then you go listen to them at home and then you go back and buy them. No, because it's only five bucks. I'll take the okay. I'll take the game right. one five bucks. I'm not a complete monster. Well, sometimes, sometimes I'm not totally cheap. <laughs> okay, ABS, yeah. ABS, ABS baby, always be shysty. <laughs> All right, the la- last thing I got, last thing I got, I I traded. This is my pick of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, I traded a Daft Punk album for this album, Bayside, Killing Time. Uh, this is like their fucking I don't know fifth album. One, two, three, four, five, fifth album, mm-hmm. two thousand eleven, and. I love this album. I think it is it is it is a I think it's a banger of an album. 
it holds like different nostalgia for me also one because i was in like the police academy at the time and my car only had like three cds and this was one of them that i constantly listened to <laughs> like every day going to and coming home from it was like yeah. this one a bob dylan one and then uh, i think i can't remember the other one i want to say it was a blink i don't remember though Man, what a miserable time like going to the academy yeah, with Bob yeah, was, Dylan and Bayside. Oh no, get the fuck out of here! <laughs> <laughs> and then, and like the other, and like the other thing was like Renee really likes Bayside, and so like a lot of her first concerts were Bayside concerts. I've seen Bayside so many times, and I I've come to like so this weird. band a lot more. And the more I go backwards in their discography, the more I like them more and more and more because even though Anthony mm. sings kind of nasally, kind of high pitched. They're a little bit heavy. They can be a little bit heavy, and they can they can they can really rip out some some fast jams, but they can also do like really good acoustic stuff. And I have an acoustic Bayside record too. And this album is called Killing Time. The song I chose was already gone because it opens it up, and I think it's a fucking absolute banger of a song. It's a good pop punk song, that's for sure. Definitely is. So here's um, wait, already gone, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Here it is from uh, from Bayside. From Bayside, from the album, what was it Killing Time? Killing, Killing time. time, that's what it is. Good Killing Time, there right we now. go. What? Good part's coming up right now. Well, let's turn it back up.
just that that little instrumental break. Yeah. Little drums come in. Yeah, it was good. There was some. Um, there was. I, li- I liked a lot of the guitar playing on that song. Some cool, cool parts, cool lead parts. But his vocals sometimes are just. I, I just can't get into it. At times, they re- remind me a little bit of uh, Ben Gibbard, but other times it's just kind of like okay maybe a little bit flat i don't know i not flat i don't know i i I can't explain it but it's very pop punky at times very very pop punky so that's probably why you like it so much Uh, sucker for that pop i like no they definitely are i could i i I file them under pop punk for sure but they are they can be harder than a lot of pop punkers out there and not kind of in just that nfg you know breakdown type of hardcore they can they can rip a little bit more they get a little bit deeper they get a little bit crunchier they can yeah. be a little bit harder so they're like pop punk with with an edge sometimes yeah sometimes i can see that i could definitely see that with the mu- with the music not as vocals but musically for sure for Dude, sure and this 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 vinyl right so let me just talk about how excited about this vinyl because i traded a i, t- I traded daft punk's discovery <laughs> for this and like, which yeah. is cool like i love that album i think it's a fucking damn near perfect album too but like, i don't know i'm not worried that it's not going to get repressed it'll get repressed at some point i'll buy it again i don't care but this one was like a 10th anniversary thing and mm-hmm. it's a double lp and it came with a lot of b-sides a lot of demos and then two eight-bit songs of <laughs> fucking tracks which are totally stupid but when you're in the mood already it's it's kind of cool and they're, and they're both colored <laughs> vinyl too it's so like oh, what the fuck dude what a deal like i'm just <laughs> high-fiving myself right now air-fiving myself i would have just what mm-hmm. a deal i got i'm just super stoked about this and this is entering into my top five buys my top five vinyl buys of 2021 really holy yeah, shit I've, I've already i mean written, i've already written it down i guess it makes sense it makes sense because i mean you love this band so this is a bit this is a big find for you this is a good find for you I've been so. looking for this album too, and I had no idea that they just repressed it and then dropped it on their site, and then it sold out like immediately. Of course, it's all those little cucks yeah. out there buying like resale. everything else. So yeah, all dude, I was, just, I was just really, really <laughs> all the rhymes. I was just really excited. Just want to do hood rat stuff. Good with my stuff. Friends. So that's all you got, and that was your pick. So let's move on to my stuff real quick. I don't, I don't have a lot of stuff because the stuff I listened to was just long. There was a lot of long stuff. Um, and also, you know, my, my backlog is, is very, there's not a lot there anymore and it's mostly all jazz. So you kind of have to be like in a certain mood to listen to jazz. It's not, I don't know. So I didn't spend a lot of time listening to new stuff, but the first thing here is the Almond Brothers band, um, the beginnings, the double LP. So this is the 1973, yeah, it's the 1973 reissue of their first two records from 69 and 70. Um, this is not as good as the the what is it the peaches wait what eat, a pe- <laughs> eat a peach eat a peach eat a peach yeah eat a peach was fantastic this was good but eat a peach was like way better way way better and then i was reading too they they ended up like remixing the first record because they didn't like the original mix from a couple years prior so they brought in somebody new to redo that record so i'm kind of curious how different their original sounds from this uh this reissue two years later three years later but i, I th- yeah it was, was good this was released it. after the the popularity of uh live at fillmore 
And so I think mm-hmm. they, I mean, I imagine they, they tried to remix it so that it sounded more like the live at Fillmore. Makes sense. Because, I mean, if, Eat a Peach, half that record, or part of that record is live too. I feel like they really kind of went through the live, went for the live feel for everything. They just seem like that kind of band, which is cool. Yeah. Because it, it worked well for them. How much did you get that one for? Was that one I got for you? How much did you get that yeah, one for? Yeah, I, I, I might have been free. It could I don't not, know. Yeah, it could not have been more than like $5. Yeah, I, I I mean, like all the Almond Brothers stuff I have, you're like, just just take it. It was like $3 or $2 or free or whatever. So, yeah. So I, I have Live at the Fillmore now. I have Eat a Peach and then this one. So I have the first three and the live record. And I think I'm good. I think I'm set. I don't need anything else from Almond Brothers. No, no, no. no. Uh, I, need, I take it back. Need, I need the one. You need Brothers and Sisters. You need their next one. Yeah, the one with, the one with Jessica and. Yeah. Uh, what, what, not Ramblin' Tamlin. What is that fucking song? That's a CCR song. Uh, what is the, the Almond Brothers song? It's like their most popular song. Oh, I think Jessica's it's on that record. Their most popular song. No, Jessica's not their most popular. The the uh, fuck, what is that song? This is gonna drive. This is driving me nuts. Uh oh. Oh my god. All. I mean, they do. I think they do have a song called Ramblin' Man. That's what it is, Ramblin' Man. Yeah. Not Ramblin' Tamlin'. Ramblin' Man. That that's their most popular song for sure. Ramble Tamble. Yeah. Yeah. You you definitely need but, brothers and sisters still, and you should really get Dickie Betts' first solo album. I think it's called just, I think it's called Rick Richard or Rick Ricky or something like that. Because <laughs> That's a dumb name. Yeah, it's it, the cover is super ugly. It's it's just fucking garbage. But but the music is fantastic, and you can always buy it for really cheap. Actually, I'll look at all those tomorrow. See if you guys are for like four bucks. It's fucking it, dude. It's gold. Okay. It's so good. Yeah, I'll I'll give it a shot for sure. Look for it, please. I like just buying you stuff and then making you pay for them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least it's not stuff that's like twenty dollars or twenty five dollars. Yeah, it's, it's always it's like cheap. four. It's like, like that fog guy. Like, like, well, I don't know about the fog guy. Or no, it was the Kansas. Like, motherfucker, just fucking buy it. Four dollars. It's good. And now I'm purging it. So what? There's that. What yes, I'm. I'm. It's in my. It's my. It's in my purge pile. Which one? Kansas. Kansas. Which, which Kansas? The uh, the leftoverture. What? Yeah, I don't. I, I'll never listen to it again. What? It's not bad, I mean, it's but not, I'll never listen their, to it. It's again. not their best, but you gotta love carrying on Wayward Son. That's a good song, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna listen to the entire record just for that one song. That's just not for me. It's not well, I mean it's the first song, so you can just take it off right after it's done. Yeah, but it's just taking up space. <laughs> just taking up space. So All right. it's in my perch pile. Crazy <laughs> you know what's funny? I tried to perch that the first time I per the like my fir- the first time we did this and they're like no you gotta you gotta keep it you gotta keep it I'm like okay fine i'll keep it whatever <laughs> and then i'm looking at it going around this time going through all my records i'm like dude why did, i haven't listened to this since you told me to keep it i'm just gonna get rid of it <laughs> so i just threw it in my purge pile i mean it, it's in my body i don't have a lot i have like six kansas records but it's probably like my second least favorite so at some point i will probably purge it if i can find the 45 of carry on wayward son because that song's a fucking band. no that song is fantastic but outside of that, the record's the record's fine. It's not definitely not bad, but That's not worth bad. listening to over and over again. Uh, this next one, uh, I think I'm good with this band. I think I don't I don't need oh I don't need anything else from this band. I I think I've completed my collection, and it's Emerson Lake and Palmer. Uh, 
this is their one of their live records. This is actually their when I wrote this down. It's their second live record from August 1974. Uh, it was recorded during the Brain Salad Surgery Tour, the very end of that. It was actually recorded, Jeff, at the Anaheim Convention Center in February of 1974. What? It's crazy, right? Crazy. I thought who the fuck records the Anaheim Convention? Right? Center? Yeah, they played a show a there. Studio in there? <laughs> no, no, no. It's oh. a live record. I guess. So it was a concert. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So. I was I was I was getting too excited. But that's cool that <laughs> but they played no, the Anaheim Convention Center. It's still so weird. So it's a it's a three LP live record. It's fucking long. It's like hundred and ten minutes. Um and I was listening to it while I was over the weekend and Ryan Ryan came into my room and he's like, What the fuck are you listening to? And then he texts in a group chat, he's like, Tyler's playing Tyler's really mad at Super Mario and he's listening to the space oh, music. Oh, that was the space Yeah. Oh. It was this record, yeah. Yeah, and it, I mean, it totally kind of makes sense. There are moments on this that just sound like it's just like the keyboard or Keith Emerson just like ripping it up on the keyboards. So it just sounds very spacey. Mm. But uh, but no, it's really cool. And this is the kind of like the last thing they did before they took a a three year break. Between so there was so this is between brain salad surgery and then works, uh, volume one. And uh, and yeah, so that's a three-year period. They didn't release anything after this until Works, and then the band obviously kind of just ended after that, because um, yeah, you know, Love Beach is trash. But uh, yeah, and another cool thing about this one too, there were no overdubs done on the record, which was I guess at the time in the '70s, that was a huge thing. Every band just like did a ton of overdubs and just did a lot of like manipulated a lot of sounds on their live records. But they like made a point not to do that on here, which was really cool, and too good. And 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 people, some critics have complained that it sounds too real, like it sounds too live, and they say it sounds like you're actually in the crowd. And I'm thinking, like, how is that a bad thing? Like, and people, some critics com- complain that there's too much background noise, there's too much, just kind of like noise overall. But that's kind of the point of going to a concert. So I don't know. Um, also, a fun fact about this one: uh, they uh, this was their highest charting album in the United States. Was this live record? It uh, it hit number That's four. It hit number four on the Billboard Top 200. That that totally surprised me. But yeah, no, this is their this is their. That's bizarre. Yeah, their highest charting highest charting record in the U.S. But it's dude. It sounds terrible too. Like their name already is bad, and we've talked about that. Yeah. But Emerson, Lake, and Palmer at the Anaheim Convention Center. <laughs> like, does that not sound like a soup convention or something? Yes, yeah. that and sounds then, awful. <laughs> not only that, it's three LPs. Like, it, it's just it's fucking two long. Hours long. It's two hours long, and then when you open fucking Marvel movie, and then when you open it up, it, it, it when you open it up, it's like this giant thing, and each record. It, it, so it's like one record is held in like in a giant E, like letter E. The other one is in a giant L, and the other one is oh. in a giant P. And it's just, it so ugly. it's really ugly, but it's just like at the time for the time it, it was a very like kind of intricate album looking album, I should say. And then on top of that, the live, this live record was actually called welcome back my friends to the show that never ends. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the name of this record. <laughs> that's so dumb. It's very stupid. And that, and that's how the whole record starts out. It starts out with, I don't know which one of the guys, but he comes up to the mic and he says, "Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends, ladies and gentlemen." And then the and then the, the music starts. 
But yeah, man, like whoever whoever was was this group's image manager or I don't know, like <laughs> PR person just did an awful job. And I, like these these guys should have gotten so much more recognition than they than they did, than they than they did get. Yeah, but. Like with shit like this, it's just that's such a terrible name. Yeah, it really is. No marketing of that. And then their album covers. I mean, Tarkus, great album cover. Super cool, super weird. Brain solid surgery. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of HR Geiger, so I mean, his stuff is cool, but like for an album cover, I don't know. It's too much. But Love Beach, the best. Love one. Beach, yeah, that <laughs> that right here, it's gnarly. Gotta love those packages. <laughs> I love when I I bought that up in Oregon and the and like I brought it back to the the hotel room and Ryan was like oh kind of like looked at it and he's like he he, ba- he just made this stupid sound because like you just that bulge is just there. You you're, you're drawn to it. I know. No matter what, you have to. <laughs> the tight white, the white the tight <laughs> white pants. Yeah, it's, it's hypnotic. Uh, it's it's a terrible <laughs> album cover. Terrible album. Terrible album cover. Oi. Okay. Um, That's okay. This next one I picked up from where did I get this? Uh, Glass House. Oh, I also got that ELP from uh, Glass House too. Five bucks, worth it. Um, this one too I got from Glass House. I think it was like three dollars, maybe four four bucks. Um, it's a, it's a violinist named Yehudi Menuhin and Ravi Shankar, the sitar player virtuoso. Um, they put they did a record together called West Meets East. Uh, in theory, it's a re- it sounds it sounds like it could be really cool, but in the end, it was a little disappointing because the side A is is pretty much just like Ravi Shankar. It, it's like his own music, and then this guy, this violinist, like kind of plays over it, and it, it sounds really cool. Like that part is super rad, but then side B is just a classical piece. So Ravi's not even on the second half of the record. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of lame. And the, the song that's on side B is from this guy, this guy Yehudi. It's from his, his teacher that who, his teacher from when he, when he was growing up, it's like a piece that he wrote. It's like 24 minutes long and it's like this huge, like ooh. epic. I mean, it's cool. Like if you're super into classical music, it's, it's cool, but like the point of this record, I feel, should have been like the interplay between Ravi and Yehudi, but I just, I don't know, I don't know. It, it was a little, little disappointing, but it was still solid stuff. The first half was solid. This is one that um, Sloan asked me if I wanted. It was like three dollars, and just judging off of the cover alone, I thought the same thing. I thought, you know, I think that's weird. I don't, I don't think it's going to sound the way I think. The, the way I, I hope it would sound. Mm-hmm. So no, I'm going to pass. I mean, for three bucks, it's worth it because like I said, side A is really good and, and they, they do play off of each other really well. They do it really well, but it, it just sucks when you get to the second side and there's no Ravi on there. So that, that part really sucks. And then I was reading too. This makes no sense. I know it, it doesn't at all. And apparently they, the only, the reason why they made this record was because I think it was some jazz festival or it was some festival back in the sixties and they were both playing there and they decided to kind of just like kind of jam together, I guess. And that's how this whole like relationship started. Musical relationship started was from this like kind of jam session at this festival. So I'm curious to get that actual performance on vinyl or, or something like that. If it even exists, I forgot to look it up, but 
was it the Montreux no, Jazz Festival? No, it wasn't that. It was, I really, it wasn't the Monterey Pop Festival Festival because that was Ravi by himself. I know that. I don't. I don't remember what festival it was. It was some Western festival, but I don't. I don't know. But hmm. anyway, um, kind of keeping anyway. with with the because the next two are like it's world music as well. So this next one is called is from this guy named David Fanshaw. Uh, it's called African Sanctus. Uh, I picked this up strictly because of the the cover art. I just it was it was just like it was very African. It was very tribal African, I guess you could say, and it just looked really interesting. Yeah. And it, it, this so what this was was it's a record from this guy David David Fanshaw came out in seventy two. He spent years traveling through parts of Africa and just like recording people, recording people talking, recording songs and chants and all this stuff throughout Uganda, Egypt, um, Kenya, and a couple other countries in, in that part of Africa. And uh, and yeah, and then he came back with like 200 hours of of just stuff. And then he kind of composed music around what he recorded. So it's this weird like mashup of of traditional music from that from that part of the world mixed with like western music almost it's super weird it's interesting it's super weird i mean i would recommend buying it if it's like if you see it for like three or four bucks but anything more than that just like don't bother it's cool it, it's definitely cool and his whole this guy like he this guy david fanshaw reading more about him he he like fell in love with music when he was a teenager or a kid, whatever, but he wasn't, he was, he had like some learning disability. So he was never able to like learn how to read music, but he loved it so much. So he kind of just kind of taught himself and he found like mentors to teach him, but not like theory or to read like sheet music. And then he also loved exploring. So he just would explore the world and then just bring just a, a record, a tape recorder and just record things and apparently like many times he just like lost stuff because you know you know fell in the water or there's like some disaster so he lost a bunch <laughs> of recordings yeah so this guy was super <laughs> it sounds like Nigel Thornberry that's kind of what i thought right it's super <laughs> strange super super weird but that's awesome that's what a, what yeah. a fucking rad life i know it, it's he sounds like yeah and i mean i'm a little bit envious of his of his life so uh so yeah that that's that was that and worth the three dollars i paid for it so um the last thing here i also got from glass house got it from their website a long time ago like maybe two months ago and i finally got around to listening to it because it's like it's bossa nova it's samba music it's it's very summer it's very like that so you know going into the warmer season kind of play this kind of music more now uh it's this guy named walter wanderley uh, it's just, the album called the album is called Rainforest. It's his 18th album. Came out in 1966. Um, this was a guy who was like huge in Brazil, uh, um, like Western wise, American wise. He was discovered by Tony Bennett. Apparently, Tony Bennett went down to was in Brazil, saw this guy perform, and was just blown away. And he he told Sinatra. He told a bunch of other huge people of the Damn. time, like you have you need to check this guy out. You need to use his style in your own music. And even on the, on the record, there's like a, a handwritten note from Tony Bennett to Sinatra and a couple other people. Obviously, like a reprint reprinted note, but they reprinted it onto the back of the record. 
talking about like this guy is so amazing you should incorporate this style into your music so this guy is like the Dang. the godfather cool. the godfather of the that kind of music i guess like he, he specialized in the organ and the piano and stuff um and then eventually in the 60s he uh he he also played with like the later 60s he played with several members of sergio mendez's uh brazil 66 band so mm. yeah so he he's been around for a while or he was around for a while he started like in i think 57 or 58 so he was kind of like the beginning of this bossa nova samba style and it was it's pretty cool it's pretty damn cool and i love this style of music and i think you do too it, right? it kind of like oh yeah i mean this is yeah this is an absolute banger i hear like a little like a little loungeness now that now that you're more into the loungeness the loungy mm-hmm. aspect of it I don't, I don't know if it's just now all bossa nova to me sounds loungy but this I sounds a little so, loungy yeah. to me yeah well, that, that's kind of what Martin Denny was about too. Martin Denny was was trying to take like stuff from Brazil and and parts of the Caribbean and and Hawaiian music and then kind of making it his own. And that's kind of what I've been so into, like lounge jazz wise, has been Martin Denny because he took so much from those kind of like three things. And I don't know. So I I, I, I hear a lot of that in this as well, and it's great stuff. It's really good. It is. I'm, I'm going to look out for this guy now that I've heard this, because if he's done all of these things, and anytime you're with Sergio Mendes with the Brazil 66, yeah, which I think is the they one made really fantastic made. music. And so, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'll, I'll look out for this guy. And this yeah. song is a banger. And honestly, I mean, because Glasshouse put this up on their website, you know, their, their six o'clock sale that they do every day, almost every day. And I remember seeing the cover on their Instagram, this cover on their Instagram, I'm like, okay, this looks really cool. So I looked it up real quick on, on Spotify, and sure enough, this is like right up my alley. So I immediately went on there and just picked it up. It was like twelve bucks, but so worth it. So here's the um, here's the song, cried cried, choro choro. Chor- I, fuck, I don't I don't speak Portuguese. So <laughs> here it is uh, from Walter Wanderley. <laughs> Thank you. 
there it is the song cried cried from walter wanderley uh yeah so that's it's fantastic stuff and i think this record is great and everyone should out there should go pick it up if you see it for cheap i like go do it i like the crisp like the crisp organ hits like how like yeah the staccato like they're super crisp he does that a I lot on this like record that. a lot on this record and it sounds so great i love it absolutely love it's it. good it is good yep 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 so that's that's all i got for the vinyls um so i guess we can move on to some new music do you, you don't want to play either of these songs right no okay so uh two new songs have been released from one of my favorite bands afi they put out a new song called called Dulce, dulceria and another song called far too near i know billy corgan co-wrote one of these from smashing pumpkins he co-wrote one of these <laughs> songs um i i think these songs are really good i really enjoy these and i'm i've honestly really liked all the songs from the new record i think this they've now released six songs from the new record that comes out in June, so far away. Um, but no, it, it's solid stuff, but I won't play them because just listen to the album when it comes out. It'll be worth they're, it. They're fine. They're good. They're, okay. they're good. They're so good. Yeah. So good. Uh, they're not so good, but they're they're fine. They're so good. Whatever. Whatever. Um, so, yeah, that's really it for new music. Um this thing real quick, Rage Against the Machine and Run the Jewels, their their tour has been postponed to twenty twenty two. So I think the first show of the of that is gonna be on March thirty first of next year. So I mean they're still planning on doing it, which is really cool and man, I I'm even thinking about going to this. Like that's how much Ooh, I miss. They're, they're playing in Arizona. I know. They're playing in Glendale. Then how far is that? Oh, that's probably what, like forty minutes from you? It's like five minutes. Is it really that close? No. No, it's like 40 minutes. fucking idiot. Let get a hotel over there. No big deal. Nah, that could be really fun. Man, run the jewels this, and that, Dude, that would be so rad. Come on. Okay, now you got me excited. It's either this or the punk in the park thing. So I mean, I, I, I want to do both. Oof, like, I, I just, crazy. I miss, I miss concerts that much that I, I'm, I'm willing to drop some, some, some coin on, on this stuff. At least like, like Punk in the Park, you'll get your money's worth. This is probably still going to be close to a hundred bucks. I know. And there's only, I mean, there are probably some opening act, but if you're going for two, two groups, two artists, and a hundred bucks for those two great artists. I mean, well, especially because we missed one of them multiple times in our life. Yeah, I know. With, we've we've never <sighs> seen Rage, and we've been close to seeing Rage, but we've just never quite been there. Yeah, we got screwed. We. Yeah, I, I'm really, I'm really thinking about this one. Really, really. Am. So, but we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to it in a couple months. See how you know how we're feeling, and then make the final Let's decision. Put a pin in it. Let's put a pin in it, and we'll come back to it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, let's see. Next here, Dave Grohl from Foo Fighters, Nirvana. Well, everything. He's putting out a new documentary called What Drives Us. Uh, it seems pretty cool. It seems like talking about it, he's talking to bands and them kind of telling their stories of how they started out just driving around in a van or touring in a van. And it seems pretty cool. It seems pretty interesting. He gets some, it's like Aerosmith, no doubt. Um, fucking U2, yeah, like, like a bunch of big bands. So it's pretty cool. This, like, you know, this is going to be a documentary and you know, it's going to focus like 1% or less on Dave Grohl. Or even like at all, 
because of how humble he is. And he's going to have a ton of people talking about what it's like to be a musician. And it's going to be very uplifting. It's going to be very nice. Yeah. And it's going to have a very like nice feel-good message at the end. And it's going to make us all feel really good because that's all Dave Grohl does. He yeah, just, he, he wants to make everybody feel good, and he does. The one thing that I, that I noticed in in the the trailer was that it showed like a lot of Foo Fighters footage, or it showed some Foo Fighters footage. And I was thinking, I was thinking in my mind um, <laughs> that these guys never toured in a band. Come on. Like Nirvana, yeah, I can see that. Scream, when he was in Scream before that, obviously torn in a van. But Foo Fighters, there's no way in hell that they did like a proper van tour in that band. Dave Grohl was way too big at that point to do a van Plus, tour. Plus, wasn't like, wasn't he Foo Fighters to begin with? He Didn't was he that this, first record shit on like the first album. Yeah, the first record is literally all Dave Grohl. So yeah, there's so no right. way they, they did. I highly doubt they toured in a van. <laughs> No yeah. way. There's no fucking way. Not not to say like he hasn't because I know he has with Scream and Nirvana, but yeah. Anyway, it it should be an interesting doc because I really enjoyed the Sound City one he did a few years ago. That one was really cool. I didn't, I never saw the Sonic Highways one, but the Sound City one was really interesting. But anyway, I'm excited for that. There, there's no release date yet, but I'm sure we'll find out sometime soon. And the last thing here is Record Store Day 2021. It's happening in, I think, June 12th, if I'm not mistaken. And um, they released the list of stuff that they're going to be putting out. And most of it's trash um, and overpriced. And even though they haven't put the prices out, but I know it's going to be overpriced, which sucks. Yeah, it's just it's just so underwhelming. And there are so many things that, that people thought were going to be on here. Like, for sure, Iowa. Like, Iowa was like the buzz in our vinyl group. People were talking about Iowa being on here because it's like the 20th anniversary. And this would just been a great moment to drop like a 20th anniversary Iowa reissue. Yeah. For an album that's only been issued once. That's only been pressed once. I know it should have, it should have been done, but whatever. And I just, this is, this is just, this is stupid. This is dumb. And I just, (laughs) there, there uh, are four records I'm going through the whole list. There are only four records that I would even think about buying and only if they're like 10 or $15. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know what you, what you think or what you have, but and most of it is just the, I mean, they're, I, I'm, I'm probably 100% going to buy the beastie boys one just because oh, yeah. it's going to be good. I, I guess there's, I have five then. I forgot about beastie boys. And it's a later, of the punk beastie boys. So it's, it's after they already became hip hop and then they were doing punk again. So it's a little more, more yeah. sure of a punk sounding thing. So that, that, that'll be fun. And then, I mean, there's a couple other things on here too, but then I just noticed the other day that the grateful dead is there's going to be a six LP box set. Oh, and God, so unnecessary. I'm definitely looking into that. I'm definitely looking into that. But have they already released that stuff? I didn't, I didn't do too much research on it yet. Um, I'm definitely going to look into that before I spend the money. Yeah, there was another thing I really wanted to. The census, the census fail. Let it enfold you. They're they're putting that one out, and that album's a banger. And I would have been 100 percent on board because there's a lot of B sides to that, and there's a lot of B sides that are like acoustic versions of the songs from the album. But looking at the record mm. store day release list, it's only a one LP. So like you know, there's no way that it's they're going to compress all of the B, all eight whatever B sides there are onto one LP. So I'm not no, buying that no shit. What the fuck? You know what I mean? Include the B sides? Like, come on, man. 
<laughs> I know what I mean. If, you, if you're going to do something special, do go full, go full throttle, I guess you could say, and put Fucking it all ridiculous. In there. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, outside of the Beastie Boys ones, like the Alkaline Trio from here to the infirmary would be cool, but I'm not going to pay more than 20 bucks for that. Fela Cootie would be cool, um, but like I said, 20 bucks, no more than that. Rage is putting out the Battle of Mexico City, uh, double LP, which would be cool too. And then Thrice, their worst record, they're putting out, reissuing their worst record, and I wouldn't pay more than $10 for it. And that's to be everywhere. You know that's to be not going to happen. Yeah, definitely not going to happen. So more than likely, I'm, I'm only going to buy one record this year, and that was probably going to be that Beastie Boys one. So yeah, me too. I mean, yeah, it's it's trash. It's really what trash. a waste. And then you and I were talking earlier earlier this week about their ELP or Emerson Lake and Palmer are reissuing their uh, their Tarkus album, a picture disc, and we know full well that's going to go for at least thirty bucks, thirty or thirty five bucks for a picture disc that nobody's going to want. You know, nobody's going to fucking buy it. I mean, it's a it's a great record. I love the record, but on a picture disc, brand new for thirty thirty five, no way. You can get it for five bucks. From a band that's not, yeah, for from a band that's not even that popular. Yeah, it it's silly. It's silly boy talk. It really is. It's stupid. But um, but yeah, no. I mean, do you got anything else on record store day or what? I do not. I don't. That's you it. do I'm, not. Call it. Okay. Well, this is Asinine Radio. Thank you all for listening to the pod. Uh, go to iTunes. Go rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Asinine Radio. Um, listen to the main episode because we're getting into the Static X record, Wisconsin Death, Wisconsin Death Trip. Um, so yeah, that's it. That's all. David Javi. Mm-hmm.